Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. I'm Dan Miller. You note a name change from Eastern Carolina farming to agriculture in North Carolina. We changed the name for several reasons. First to note, our focus is not farming in the Carolinas, it's farming in North Carolina. Also, we adopted word agriculture as we talk about the business of farming more. And the issues that face farmers here in the east also affect farmers in the Piedmont, maybe to a lesser extent the western part of the state. The biggest reason, though, is to make it easier for you to be able to listen when you have time to do so. The podcast version of the show, which often includes longer interviews, is now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Coming soon to Google Podcasts, Amazon, and A-L-E-X-E-A. Also, you'll be able to find the interview segments of our podcast along with resources on our website, aginnc.com. You can, of course, still listen to the broadcast every Monday morning at 6.30 before Talk of the Town and Monday evenings at 6 p.m. after our new program, The Michael Knowles Show, here on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Also unchanged, your hosts. I'm Dan Miller in Pitt County, and my co-host joins the show from the original D.C., as he's fond of saying, Dublin County. COO of Murphy Family Ventures and decades-long member of the North Carolina Board of Agriculture, Jeff Turner. And in a final bit of housekeeping, thank you to the businesses that support the program. Ag and NC is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit. First Choice Insurance Partners, the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. And welcome back to Syngenta Global. Big shout out too to Syngenta Crop Services Agent James Marsh. James visits a number of ENC farmers over the course of every week and he texts me a boots on the ground perspective every now and then. If you're a rep involved in agriculture in North Carolina, and put some mileage on your truck every week visiting farms, get up with me. I'd love to have you as part of our Crop Spotter Network. Email is dan at agandnc.com. To start the program, we'll welcome my co-host Jeff Turner, if only for a minute. Dan, how are you, man? I am well. We've got quite a jam-packed program ahead today. Coming up on today's show, we chat with Ron Heinegger about corn in North Carolina, and uh, I see more of it coming up now. I think last week I, my prediction was over 75%. I suspect that's pretty close to, to right that has already been planted and has sprouted and up out of the ground, and it's looking really nice. We've had some really good rain. A lot of tobacco being set out. I see a lot of tobacco this past week. They were in the field with the transplanters, so it's that time of year. I'm not sure whether I'll take the over-under on that uh, on the corn acres planted. Uh, I think you might be pretty close to right. We'll find out. We talked to Ron. Also, one of your Murphy Family Ventures chaps that just received honors, and that is Joey Short. He's the North Carolina Port Council's Emerging Leader Award for 2023. What do you do, start them young, Jeff? Is that how you uh, you get folks into the industry? That's where it all starts. We try our best to find the best of the best, and, and Joey certainly – falls into that category. A nice young man got his start with us as a manager trainee and now manages a farm for Murphy Family Ventures. You know, we're real proud. Dell, Terry Tate, and myself and the management group actually went to uh, the awards luncheon. He received his award, and Joey, is a, he's a real standout and going to be a star in the industry. You got a bolt on today's program, and like all of us, we're getting to the point where uh, we have aging parents. Yeah, I yeah. I have a 93-year-old mom that's um, tough as nails. In fact, up until a few weeks ago, she was driving over to the hospital each day for three days a week to do her volunteer work, but she had a little setback. She she fell backwards with a, a bowl of collards, of all things. Mm. She was putting in the, in the refrigerator and fell backwards, and 
she uh, hurt her hurt her backside a little bit, but I think we're on the mend. And uh, so I, you are right. I got a boat. We're getting her out of the hospital as we speak. My assumption is here, as bad as it hurt her backside, it, it hurt her ego a whole lot more. Someone for 93 years has been independent, and uh, all of a sudden having a little setback, it's not fun, but we're going to get there. For those listeners that have dealt with enforcing some rules for elderly parents, good luck with that. It's not too easy. I've already learned. So, <laughs> <laughs> Tune in in the car, Jeff. I'll be back with Ron Heiniger in just a moment on Agriculture in North Carolina. This is Agriculture in North Carolina. Hello, I'm Dan Miller. If you're talking corn in our state, the name Ron Heiniger will come up. He is a cropping specialist for NC State University at the Plymouth Extension Office and probably the expert of the state for corn. Thank you. Where are we 2023 spring planting numbers that you're aware of at this point? We're about 66% or two-thirds planted with the corn from my perspective. If you look at the eastern part of the North Carolina, the Tidewater Coastal Plain region, we're probably in the 80% area. But uh, you look back in the Piedmont, well, they're a little farther behind. And so I, I think 60, maybe as much as 70% would catch most of where we are at corn plant right now. I've seen some of the numbers for soybeans, and we're significantly behind where we were last year. That way yes. with corn or not? Yes, it is. It definitely that way. We Last year, by the end of April, I think we were up over 85% uh, planted in corn acres. Uh, this year, certainly behind that, uh, we started slow and continue to be a little behind the um, normal curve for planting. Wow, we've had a challenging spring as far as weather. I call it an incomparable year. In fact, I had a uh, extension agents say we should have planted back in March. <laughs> the weather was more predictable and had better in March. And he's probably about right, but it it has been up and down. We we get these eighty degree days, and then week later, while you're in the fifties and sixties, you got three inches of rain one event, and and then you got dry weather for four or five days, and then another inch of rain. I, I talked to the growers back in the uh, winter meetings. I said, expect more frequent showers this year and more intense rainfall than we've seen in the last two years. And that's certainly been true for North Carolina so far. More frequent showers, and some of these have been very intense. We don't have to worry about planting in dry soil this year. No, no, that's right. And I, I'm hoping we don't look forward to dry weather here late May into June like we had last year. I'm hoping yeah. these showers continue then after we get this crop in. So on the whole, we may be a little bit later, but for what's in the ground and up, how's it look? That uh, question oftentimes is one that I get asked. I think we're off there despite the weather, despite the rainfall events that we've been uh, working around. Why We're off to a really good start with this corn crop. I go across the state. Looking at this core reaching now V2 or V3, which is three leaves all fully extended. And this crop looks uniform. It looks green. It's got good color. I'm, I'm sort of excited right now as far as our starts, even though we, we had to fight the weather a little bit to get here. Certainly this year's curve looks different than prior years. But if we were looking overall and stepping back and looking at the forest and not the trees, are we planning earlier as a whole? Yes. I think we tend to be planting earlier. You know, if you look at the ancient history, but more than 30 years ago, you didn't plant late because uh, you were worried about diseases, insect pressure on this corn crop. 
Now we have better hybrid resistance for those that pass their stresses, and we can plant a little later. But even so, most farmers try to stay on that early curve um, as far as getting corn in the ground. Is there anything you've seen in uh, some of your recent years of your test plots that you think bears fruit, so to speak? The one thing that we've really tried to emphasize in planting corn is temperature and rainfall. You, you want the ideal condition to put that seed in the ground. And what is that ideal condition? Well, it's four to five days of 60-degree average temperatures, and you don't want more than two inches of rainfall in the first seven days after the seed goes in the ground. We, What our research shows that when we can plant in that condition, that corn comes up more uniformly, we have higher yield potentials. We've got better start to this crop. It, it translates into better results year year long. But if we miss that, and certainly like a week ago, planting in front of that big rainfall that we got across the state there, that corn's coming up non-uniform. You know, those stresses then tell on that early corn, and it translates into lower yield potential at the end of the season. So corn planting is really critical. I call it the Super Bowl day. That You want to be on your game on that planting day. In the test plots, have you uh, experimented with, with narrow row spacing or twin row planting, and have many farmers adopted it in the East? Well, yes. We have done a lot of work with narrow row spacing. I'm talking about row spacings less than 30 inches. And there's been quite a bit of work here recently on looking at these twin row uh, arrangements for corn planting. There's some advantages to that yield-wise, but as far as adoption, it's a little harder uh, for growers because you got to spend money. You got more more uh, planting units in the field, if you will. So you got more investment in your equipment, uh, and certainly it's some growers where we have a wide range of crops that need wider rows, like I'll say cotton, or if you're on sweet potatoes or something like peanuts, something like that that needs a wider row. Well, then they have to have two pieces of equipment, so that's not very economical there. So it's uh, even though we've shown consistently that we can get little higher yields in corn from a narrow row or a twin row, the adoption's been a little less. I, I think the narrow row adoption's been fairly good across the Blackland and maybe parts of the coastal plain, not so much in, in uh, the Piedmont. So it's been sort of slow to get narrow rows or twin rows adopted in this state. Last year, we saw folks maybe turning a little bit away from corn. Input costs were crazy. They're still high, not quite as bad as they were last year. But number one, are you seeing a larger percentage of acreage go into corn? And then the second part of that, any uh, magic wand that you've seen on saving on input costs for corn? Yeah, you're exactly right. Last year, under the pressure of high, high input costs, and, of course, we didn't know exactly where corn prices were going to head, why we had fewer acres. Uh, normally, we average range around 970, 980,000 acres of corn in North Carolina. Last year, we're down in the 880,000 range. I think we'll be back up this year, uh, maybe even uh, across a million acres. We've done that about five years ago. We were over a million acres that one year. So we may touch on that here uh, this year. A corn farmer is paying five, six hundred dollars an acre to put that acre of corn in. That's uh, quite an investment, and then he figure he's borrowing money now at five, six percent. Why that makes it even a harder pill to swallow. As far as a magic bullet for saving money, it's your biggest cost is nitrogen, and, and of course we're seeing some nitrogen prices decline. We're getting 
cheaper nitrogen, certainly about two-thirds the cost we paid last year. So your key is how do I save nitrogen? And we've been looking at a number of ways that really comes down to managing. If you manage correctly, you can save about 50 or 60 pounds of nitrogen. By managing correctly, I mean the right seeding rate, choosing the right hybrid, planting in the, the ideal conditions we just talked about. You do those things, and you don't need to use that extra nitrogen we we maybe have been using in the past. So that's one secret or magic bullet, if there is a magic bullet, uh, to pass along. Given this past winter, do you uh, do you expect to see more insect pressure this year? I do, yes. I, I certainly think we will see more insect pressure this year. You know, when you have a mild winter, uh, temperatures in the 70s in January, in many cases, some of these insects can't survive in our normal winter, but can in those kind of winters. So they just get an early start on us. And as a result, why we get them in before that plant is big enough or strong enough to, to, uh, to affect uh, resistance. So, yes, I do expect to see more insect pressure this year. I would not be surprised that we don't see more disease pressure than we've seen in the last two or three years. Is there an increase in folks planting cover crops, and does that come with some new challenges for insects like cutworms or diseases? Yes, there certainly is a rush or a uh, interest gaining steam in planting cover crops. You certainly see that in the Piedmont. A lot of information being passed around among growers. How big do you let the cover get? How what kind of covers do you want? Real challenges. First of all, it comes with the challenge of of being able to plant into that cover and get good consistent seed depth, that's a, a good challenge. And then you, as you referred to, what comes along with the potential for insect or, or disease uh, pressure, certainly a good cover. A lot of times planting here into May, why you'll see thrift, uh, flea beetles or other insects that like that cover, they'll hop right over onto that corn as it comes up, and then you've got uh, higher pressure uh, normally, we don't spray corn for a thrip or a flea beetle, but certainly in, in cases where we get cover, we may end up needing to do that. So you got those pressure, you got diseases that uh, come along with the cover, and, or like that moist uh, undergrowth that the cover provides. Cover crops are great for trying to conserve moisture. They're great for recycling nutrients. They're great for um, fixing some carbon during the off season, but they do come with some challenges. And I think these growers are just, we're just really learning how to, to manage those challenges in a better way. Uh, I, I look forward to, to learning more and, and finding ways to do that uh, more efficiently than we have. Ron Heidegger is a cropping specialist at NC State University in our extension office in Plymouth and considered one of the state experts in corn. We look forward to talking to you later in the season. Thank you, Dad. Ag and NC is sponsored in part by Syngenta, a leading agricultural company helping to improve global food security by enabling farmers to make better use of available resources. The future lies in precision agriculture. Create your plan with help from Syngenta. This is the Agriculture in North Carolina program. Bill Carone Cards and Wallace is now the only Chevy GMC dealer in eastern North Carolina to become an AgPAC dealer which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you already use, everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the Ag Pack program at Bill Carone Cars in Wallace. I'm Dan Miller, and I'm joined on the program by Joey Short. 
Full disclosure, Joey is head of a fairing department for a sow farm at Murphy Family Ventures. He's also the winner of the North Carolina Pork Council's Emerging Leader Award for 2023. Normally a question for a preacher, but when did you hear your calling, in this case, into the hog industry? So I guess it was about, I guess it was a little over three years ago now that I uh, first started and uh, just kind of took a chance on it and... uh it just felt right. felt like it's where I needed to be. As I got deeper and deeper into it, the passion just grew. You're not unfamiliar with the concept of farming, I mean, in your background. I didn't actually grow up on the family farm, but I grew up there pretty much every weekend and every chance I had. I went, went most days after school, and um, so I was around agriculture. And, and, of course, my family's been involved in different different areas of agriculture, too. So uh, farm uh, just never worked specifically with hogs, so... I've always loved working with animals. I actually was, when I first started at North Carolina State, I, uh, my, my track was to try to go to vet school and um, weeded out of that program, as so many are, and uh, kind of changed my, my path a little bit. And, um, but, you know, kind of came back full circle and started working with animals. And, and that's where the passion is for me, is, is working, actually working with animals. I just love raising pigs. All right, so being involved in the vet curriculum didn't pay off as far as a career is concerned, but it did with relationships, right? Sure. I mean, my wife's a veterinarian, so, you know, we got we got plenty of connections with uh, animals in this house, so that's for sure. Did you graduate and then go directly into the uh, in the pork business? When I finished my degree is when I when I got my internship and and started looking around and there was a guest speaker in a class one day I was taking that and she was managing a um a sow farm at that time and, and so kind of talked to her about how to get started and, and then it led like I said it led to uh, an internship with Murphy County Ventures and, and the rest is history I guess they would say. And some of that history is the fact that actually you've been named the winner of the North Carolina Pork Council's Emerging Leader Award this year. You feel passionate about the industry as a whole? Oh yes sir yeah I am I, you know and, and honestly it's um, you know I fell in love with the industry on the farm um, you know, raising pigs, and, and of course that's where it all started. But but getting out and doing other things, attending conferences, and, and being involved with North Carolina Port Council, and that's that's really where you know it, it kind of pushed the passion even further. You know, I um, the, I mean, I like every aspect of it. I of course love the work. I do that you know every day just about. But the uh, but the people too, in, in the industry as a whole, is is pretty amazing industry. So yeah, I love working in it. Joe, you're like early 30-something, right? Yes, sir, 32, yeah. At those conferences, you see some gray hair? Uh, yes, sir, yeah. We're, we're getting, uh, we got some older folks in the industry. Igniting a passion in some of the younger folks to, uh, and I say younger, which is basically under the age of 40, to get into uh, the farming businesses, I, I don't, I, you know, you found it to be uh, life-changing, but um, what do you think is the, uh, what do you think is the spark? Well, I mean, you know, I think that's uh, that's uh, one of the challenges for the industry. And, I mean, I think that's the challenge for the ag industry in general is, is trying to get younger people involved. And, I mean, you know, you hope that you can you can find someone like me that, that gets that comes out and they fall in love with it, they find that passion. Um, but, yeah, I mean, absolutely, it's harder to do it. I mean, people are getting further and further away from farms. Um, they're getting further and further disconnected from farms, you know, and, I mean, I think as an industry, we have to, to try to get that young talent in, and, and it's got to be an appealing situation for somebody younger to come into. I mean, you know, it's not the, the prettiest or easiest work all the time, and, um, you know, you you got to be the right fit. I told somebody that the other day. I said, you know, you, 
you either got to love it or, you know, it, it's hard to do it if you didn't love it. You know what I mean? You think you're going to go out and just be a, you know, be a, be a pig farmer and, and raise pigs and you end up plumbing and you end up doing electrical work and, you know, you, you kind of have to know how to do a little bit of everything. I mean, you never know what's going to happen on a farm and especially talking about equipment and everything else. I mean, you can't, can't always rely on somebody to show up and get something fixed. So, you know, if you have a feed line go down or, Whatever the case may be, you've got to be ready and, and try to you know figure out how to get it running so you can get animals fed. Talked about the fact that people are maybe disconnected from where the food comes from. They think it just appears at the loading dock at the grocery store. But even yeah. still, folks who have a brief acquaintance with agriculture have no idea the amount of biosecurity that is involved on an operation. You know, when I first got into it, I was like, gates up, gates are closed all the time, you know, um, the offices are secured the way they are and of course you know we have our clean and our dirty side and i was like wow you know this is a lot but once you kind of understand like you said you start realizing what we're dealing with and what we're trying to prevent from happening you know a major crisis to supply chain it's uh it makes it makes all the sense in the world and i mean it's something you have to do and i mean honestly i think it's something that's going to have to continuously be improved upon i don't think it's i don't think that it's like okay the stuff we've been doing now for you know, 30 years is, is going to work forever. I mean, there's going to have to be more improvements and, and, and tighter biosecurity just to, you know, try to keep stuff off farms and keep the uh, animals healthy. You know, it's such a an integrated uh, industry. You know, there's just so many moving pieces, you know, whether you're moving animals, whether you're delivering feed, maintenance guys coming in, you know, all your employees that are coming in, you know, where where have they been, where have they what they do over the weekend as far as where did they drive. And I mean, it's as simple as driving down the road and going down a road that a, that a hog truck was hauling pigs in. You, you have to constantly worry about that and kind of make sure that, that you're staying ahead of it and, and keeping everybody clean that comes on the farm. Anybody who hasn't Googled themselves really ought to try that because the oddest stuff comes up. And if I pull up Joey Short, Murphy Family Ventures, and you've been voted from Farm Journal Pork Magazine as the tenth best beard in the swine industry. Now that's now that's nothing to take lightly. <laughs> that was one of my easiest achievements. Growing <laughs> facial hair comes easily for me, so uh, that was a pretty cool little contest. And uh, look forward to hopefully being back in it next year. Maybe I can move up a little bit next year. Well, some of the folks on the list ahead of you actually credit bacon grease for keeping a nice, smooth beard. I'm not sure I'd go that far. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm willing to uh, <laughs> to dump the, the beard in the frying pan yet. Then how's working for Murphy Family Ventures been for you? No, I mean, I, I would just say that um, they've given me the opportunities they have, and, and that's that's on the farm and off the farm. And allowing me to, to do the different things that I do. And and I think that's probably the biggest thing, too, is, you know, you talk about trying to get people interested in the industry. And, I mean, we we got to try to do better about getting employees um, in other spaces just, than just on the farm, you know, like I said, and getting them out and really seeing what's happening in the industry. And I think that would help develop the passion as well. I mean, that's what, what it did for me. So, you know, very thankful for, for the whole Murphy family team and, and – uh, Happy to be doing it and looking forward to, to many years here in the industry. Joey Short is head of a farrowing department at one of Murphy Family Ventures Farms. This is Agriculture in North Carolina. I'll be back with more in just a moment. This is the Agriculture in North Carolina program. Thanks in part to the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, got to be NC. 
North Carolina's official business development and marketing program for agriculture. More than agriculture, it's got to be NC. Let's look at commodities prices from last week. Live cattle futures ended Friday at 161.975, down $3.50 on the week. May feeder cattle futures ended at 202.52, and that marked a weekly plunge of $8.45. As expected, cash cattle prices have continued sliding after producers took lowball packer bids early in the week. June lean hog futures ended Friday at 83.775. For the week, hogs were off $7.92. Last week's downdraft in lean hog futures sets the tone for more technically related selling early this week. Our state's egg prices were lower on all sizes when compared to the prior week. North Carolina weighted average price quoted Thursday, May the 4th, for small lot sales of delivered carton grade A eggs was 131.14 for extra large, 118.25 for large, 103.55 for medium, and $69 for small eggs. Number two, yellow shelled corn was mixed 74 cents to 8 cents lower when compared to the prior week. Prices ranged mostly 6.15 to 7.79 at the feed mills, 6.65 to 6.74 at the elevators through Thursday, May the 4th. Number one yellow soybeans were mixed 42 cents lower to 15 cents higher, range $15 to $15.07 at the processors, mostly $14.31 to $14.38 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was 19 to 35 cents lower, range $5.20 to $6.26 at the elevators. Soybean meal FOB at processing plants ranged $4.74.60 to $4.77.90 per ton for 46.5 to 48% protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery, corn ranged 540 to 621, soybeans were 1237 to 1282, and wheat was 519 to 674. That's this week's Agriculture in North Carolina. If you miss a show, play the podcast on your schedule, available on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Find links to our sponsors at aginnc.com. That's A-G-I-N-N-C dot com. Ag Carolina Farm Credit. First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services got to be NC. Agriculture in North Carolina, copyright 2023, Interbanks Media. Support the show. Call Hank Hinton at 252-355-1037. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, have a great week.